morning, everybody. It's so good to see you guys. If you would stand with me, that would be great. Does everybody feel a little slow moving this morning? <laughs> I saw the body like, I really want to stand up, Danielle. But uh, we hope that you were able to come into church this morning and remember like, oh, that's right. It's going to be Christmas. Right? Because don't you sometimes feel like you're crawling to Christmas, and then like on the 24th, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? It's supposed to be festive and joy to the world. So our hope today is that we help set the tone, not just for your morning, but for this season. And we've actually purposed that starting next week, we're going to go through Advent as a church on Sundays and take that from a concept that kind of like a lot of people don't even really know what that is to really drawing near to Jesus. And so this morning, that's my prayer. So if you would pray with me. Father, my only prayer this morning is that you teach us how safe it is to move closer to you today. Every single one of us, that's going to look different, God. You know the things that require trust to move closer. So, Lord, I pray that as we worship unto you and as we listen unto your word, I pray, God, that you would show us where we can trust you to move closer toward you. I thank you that your goodness allows for that. I thank you that you don't make us feel guilty for not just automatically <laughs> being obedient and wonderful human beings. I thank you, God, that you let your wonder shine through us. And so this morning, I pray that you would put lyric in our mouth and help us to elevate your voice and your name and the melody of your spirit. I pray, God, that it is that melody alone that fills this place whether we say it with such joy or we say it in trial. God, I pray that we treat your name holy this morning and that it has the strength coming from us that it does coming from you in your name. Amen. Church, let's lift his name high above every other name this morning. Let us begin this holiday season by focusing on him, not focusing on anything else that could take our attention away from the true meaning of this season, but on focusing on God, God, his goodness, his holiness, his love for us. You are perfect, dry and pure. You are healer, you are.
What may you're worthy of praise? All we are is glory's reflection. We'll bless your name. We'll bless your name. We'll bless your name. We'll bless your name. And your kindness unmatchable.
desperately searching for it in all of the wrong places. God, we thank you and we honor you this morning. God, we lift your name high to you above every other name because there is no one that can deserve our praise. There is no one that can deserve our worship. There is no one that we should give anything else, anything lesser, God. How can we give anything but all of ourselves to the one who gave all of himself to people who didn't even deserve it through grace and mercy? You came, and so we will and return the sacrifice that you provided for us. come from you. Daddy, we love you. We praise you. We've come to lift up your name, Lord God. I thank you that you said when we enter in to your gates, we should enter in with thanksgiving and in your courts with praise. But Daddy, I thank you even more that we're able to come into your courts, that you want us to come into your gates, Lord God. We love you for who you are. 
We love you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus, and that there's nothing, no philosophy or ideology. There's not one sickness. There's not one pandemic. There's not one curse. There's not one generational curse that is stronger than who you are. Not one addiction. Not one ailment. Not one fear. Not one fact that is stronger than who you are. So we will come to bless your name. Bless your name. Bless, your, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Come on, church, and all that is within me. All that is within me, bless his holy name. His name is worthy of glory. His name is worthy of praise. Jesus, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You're worthy, worthy, worthy. We've come to praise you. And it's all about you. We've come to give you glory, honor, power, and praise. For you you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and amen. Come on, can we give him one moment of glory? Can we just say thank you, Jesus, for whatever it is you need to thank him for today. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are. Woo! Oh, good morning, church. How are you doing this morning? And it's so good to see you this morning. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for coming in. And look, if you're online today, we want to just take a moment to, to say hey. We want to say thank you for checking in, for being a part of what God's doing here in this place. And we know that God's going to, uh, is doing where you are as well. Because God is outside of time and space. And he's right there with you. And I know that he's here with us here today. If today's your first time, today you're a guest. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here with us. We really mean it. Thank you for just coming to being a part of it, for investing your time, for being here. And we know, look, we know there's a thousand other places you could be this morning, a thousand other things you could be doing. Thank you for choosing to be in God's presence today. And if you want to know what we're all about, the truth is we're, this isn't just about a church service. This is about knowing who he is. It's really about Jesus. We'll sing some great songs. We've got some cool seats. But at the end of the day, don't ever confuse what this place is all about. It really is all about him. Because he changed everything. That song we just sang, we are glory's reflection. What a God who would allow us to come into his courts. What a God we have that would allow him to come into his gates. Just the way we are. Just the, you couldn't get into the White House the way you are right now. And my God, the King of Heaven said, just come as you are. Just come as you are. You don't have, can I encourage you today? You don't have to be anyone other than who you are to get into his presence. The door is opened to one and all by the same person. His name's Jesus. The good, the bad, and the ugly, because I am all of those things. Come on. I am all of those things. There are some days I'm good. A lot of days I'm not. And I'm always ugly. But he opens the door. That's how much God loves you. So I hope today that you feel that love. And that today you dare to love him back. You dare to love him back. Because he's worthy of it. Amen? Awesome. Hey, 
Look, before you're seated today, because this is family, we, this is family, this isn't just a service, this is family, can you just take a moment, I know we're still in pandemic, we still got masks on and everything, but can you just take a moment, say hi to somebody you didn't come to church with who's around you, give them an air high five or a fist pump, or, and as you're being seated, and just called one of those things the Christmas tree store. I wasn't listening closely enough. To that's pick good. Up that's great. Neither, neither was anyone else, by the way. That's, that's good. It's, uh, it's the Christmas tree store. It's wonderful. But that was a great, uh, by the way, it just gave us an excuse to decorate our house early for Christmas. That's really why we did that video. Um, I'm so glad uh, to be here today. This, you know, if, if since you have your Bibles, 
Uh, can you open with us to the book of John? John is the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're going to open to John chapter 7. John is a disciple of Jesus, the one who Jesus loves. At least that's how he identifies himself, which I love about him. He's like, uh, I want, I want, like for all time, he's like, I want everybody to know uh, Jesus loved me. I love that. Um, but this is a, a beautiful thing because John actually continues to reveal the beautiful nature of who Jesus is. And, and Jesus' um, encouragement to accept his love and to stand in his love. You know, today, if you, if you need a title for today, it's uh, Don't Go Breaking My Heart. All right? So don't go breaking my heart. Come on. I heard I the, I I heard I the over 45-year-old say, yeah, that's right. Run, run. <laughs> There's on. one person from the 80s. Thank you. Thank you. 80s. So, I feel like that. So hey, 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 hey. It was the 80s. Hey, so, uh, you know, today Dean and I just want to talk about something actually um, that, we've been, that we were talking about this week, uh, and, and if we're honest, we've been talking about it for the last few years, um, and, 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 and it would have been, an, I think, an interesting conversation to be a fly on the wall for um, if you were there, because it's, it's kind of like when you're watching a movie and uh, the actors don't know that there's a mystery to solve yet, they don't know this, but you've seen the movie before. So you know that you know what the ending is, but they don't know yet, right? Because they're it's kind of like uh, you know the killer's in the room. They just don't know yet. Or since it's Hallmark Christmas movie, let me solve every Hallmark movie for you. It's the boy you went to high school with, who you overlooked, who now that you're home on vacation to see your family before the big job moves you away, who comes over to help your flat tire. It's him, okay? I hate to ruin every 25 days of Christmas movie for you. It's him. I feel so personally offended. Yeah, right I know. I, 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 it's him. I'm just saying. But but it's like if you were listening to our conversations, some of, some of, some of us in this room would have been like, you would have been shouting at the, 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 the screen of our conversation like, this is the answer to the problem. Here's the solution. Some of us in this room probably would have been like, Hey, um, here's some things you should consider before you solve the mystery. And then others of us in this room would have probably been like so bewildered by the whole situation. You knew something was wrong. You knew there was a mystery, but you were kind of unsure in the particulars. And the reason why that's important is because that is how all of us are in this room. And and it's how we are on lots of different uh, situations that we face in life. And I think at a certain time, Dee, when you and I, in our conversation, when I was listening to Dee, uh, trying to kind of hunt down the truth, and I was asking her some revealing questions about what was, why she was so conflicted, and I found myself with being clear about something that she was unclear with. And can I just really encourage you, that's, that happens all the time in our relationship. Like, there's times that I'm clear about something that she's not, and she's clear about something I'm not, and by the way, that's how... Spirit-led relationships should work, right? Iron sharpening iron, bringing that truth together. But I said to her uh, that what she was picking up on and, and, and that, the, the thing that was rubbing her the wrong way is how we as humans, and especially, in, and, and even as believers, have a casual relationship with conviction. We tend to have a casual relationship with conviction. And I think it's hard at times, especially for someone like Dee, and maybe you're like this, who sees conviction from a place of holiness, through the lens of holiness. It's not just through 
uh, convenience or kind of opinion, but you see it through the lens of holiness. And, and that's why it's hard when Christianity at times, especially modern Christianity, if we're not careful, seems to be wandering down a path of, of co uh, conviction by convenience. Conviction by convenience. And the, the truth is, guys, when, we, when we're affected by that, what ends up happening, and it's, it's rampant in our world, what ends up happening is it undermines relationships because you're looking for conviction to be conviction. And it undermines our relationships. It even causes people around us who don't know Jesus yet to scratch their heads because our convictions seem to be movable based off of depending on circumstance. And that's what they call hypocrisy. That's why they're like, the church is filled with hypocrites. And none of us want to be hypocrites, right? The truth is none of us want to be hypocrites. But the real core issue is this, our casual relationship with conviction. How casual we are with conviction itself. In our text today, in John chapter 7, we're going to see the struggle played out with real people like you and I, who wrestle with not knowing what to do while they're in a crowd while some people in the crowd hold their same convictions they hold, others hold different convictions. Others want to persuade them to change their convictions to what their convictions are. And some people in the crowd don't know what the heck's going on. They don't know what they should believe. That's all of us. That's like life for all of us. The good news in all of this and the good news for you and I is that Jesus shows up. That in the middle of it, Jesus shows up. And he helps us see the answer. Church, can I really encourage you? In our world today, we cannot afford for the core root of casualness towards conviction to take root in us for very long. Because it will undermine everything. The Bible says in John chapter 7, verse 11. We're going to look at verse 11 and 13 and down to, hop down to 37. It says, the Jewish leaders tried to find Jesus at the festival and kept asking if anyone had seen him. There was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. They were grumbling. Some argued he's a good man, but others said he's nothing but a fraud who deceives people. But no one had the courage, you can underline this, but no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public, for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the religious leaders. Now that never happens. We're never afraid to put our truth out in our marketplace, or maybe with our close family member, or uh, maybe, it's, maybe it is actually easier to put it out on Facebook because of fear of how someone's going to respond. This is us all the time. Verse 37 says, On the last day, the climax of the feast, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Don't go breaking his heart. You know, when um, I felt like when we were worshiping today, there was a true shift in the climate. Mm -hmm. I think that I felt a sense to pick up on God's joy mm -hmm. um, when we were lifting his name up. And it might seem so trivial, but I actually sense His holiness in the room. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're like, well, how do we get that to happen? 
Like, okay, well, maybe all the right pieces will fall into place at church, and he'll be there. But we can struggle with knowing how to help him be here yes. with us. Yep. And there was just something that happened in the room. I don't know if anybody, did you pick up on that? There was, mm. just, a, there was just a shift in the room. Yep. It's beautiful. You know, when you sing those words, like, come what may, you're worthy. I don't remember the words. Jake. Glory. glory. Come what may. Come what may. You're worthy of you're praise. Worthy of praise. All, we are. All we are is glory's reflection. We'll praise your name. Like there's weight. Mm. There's weight to that. Because I think in this world now, more than ever, when we say come what may, Wow. We recognize yep. that come what may can truly look like something we never envisioned yes. if we would have sang that three years ago. Yes. And I think the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because, you know, when we read passages like John 7 that we just read, it's, it's kind of a challenge because we, we know that the word is um, pro-Jesus. <laughs> like the Bible is kind of like, go God. So what we can end up doing is we can read those passages as like, I know, I know, it's pro-Jesus, anti-humans. Mm-hmm. And so then we can read a passage like that and we can say, oh man, they weren't even courageous enough to speak favorably yep. about Jesus because they were afraid. Yep. But I think that we give the Holy Spirit the most room to teach us about his word when we carry with us the same orientation towards the readers, the people, or the people in the story that he had, which was compassion. Yes. God knows how important conviction is to how we live our lives, but he doesn't need to bring that conviction with anger. Yes. He can yep. teach us how to be convicted with his compassion. Yes. Because notice in this that when Jesus responded, he did not respond with rebuke. Yes. He spoke to them about the fact that you can know whose I am by what I bring to you. Truth or lies. He he makes it really clear. I I honor my father. What I say is to bring him honor, which is to bring him glory, come what may. Yes. Because all I am is glory's reflection. And he doesn't bank on having to condemn or even in the way that we think of it as humans, convict people into being holy. He put before them what today I'm going to refer to as ingredients. He talks about truth, and he talks about lies. He talks about light, and he talks about shadow. So when we look at it that way, we can start to hear what Jesus is really saying to them, not what we as defensive believers hear him saying. We hear him saying, I put before you 
the choice. Yeah. Life or death, blessing or cursing. And I want you to choose life. But he doesn't terrorize us yes. into doing so. Yeah, yeah. And today when we're talking about conviction, I, I want to be real clear with you. I'm not actually even talking to you about calling the Lord your Savior. I'm not even talking about saying that Jesus is the way, the truth. I'm not, let's assume that that's the main ingredient. That's the given. What we're talking about today is the area of gray that shows up in our daily life, yep. the opportunity to test our character that brings on the line our integrity. Yep. Kyle and I were talking <laughs> this week about, we're like, oh, that's right, it's Thanksgiving. And um, we were like, hey, just because everything else is crazy, like maybe let's not have Thanksgiving food. Yes, amen. So in our household, we always, div we always decide on meatballs. As, as is the, the super Thanksgiving, -y. which was the original Thanksgiving food, by the <laughs> right, way. Yes, right. I love that. So, if you make a good meatball, who in here thinks they make a good meatball? All right. Who in here thinks they've eaten a good meatball? Okay, great. That's that's better. So, now people will throw down with what I'm about to say, but I'm holding I'm holding fast. Hold the line, baby. To my, to my Italian heritage right now. Hold the line. You don't know what's on. I hear my great grand Danielle. Like, <laughs> Danielle. <laughs> you don't know what's on the line with me saying what I'm going to say. But um, if you're going to make a at least. No, go ahead, say it. The a, right meatball. The right, the right meatball. The right meatball. You're going to use beef, pork, and veal. That's right. Amen. <laughs> my father just said amen. Now, I know some of you, we're going to make it with ground beef. But let's just, for the purpose of argument's sake and this analogy going well, let's just say beef, pork, and veal. That's the great main ingredient. So Kyle started talking to me about, well, I don't want to have to freeze the meat, then unfreeze the meat, and blah, blah, blah. So he's like, so let's go get the meat on Monday. Now, my mind, everything is like, why are we assuming that this meat is going to be available on Monday, right? Yep. So I'm like starting to panic because then I start thinking, well, we can't just get any kind of breadcrumbs. Right. Like I have a very particular Italian breadcrumb right. that goes into these meatballs. I have a very particular type of cheese that goes into this. I like Lucatel in my meatballs, yeah, that's okay? Right. That's right, that's All good, right. that's right. Oh, is that Margo? Yeah, yes! that's, right. that's right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, you know, if we get there and we get this meat, but they don't have the breadcrumbs that I like and they don't have the cheese, some people would just be like, cheese is cheese. No. No. Now, I am not breaking out a cheese whiz can <laughs> and putting it into my meatballs. A little Gruyere. Little, nope, still no. Just <laughs> absolutely, no Italian would ever say a little Gruyere. <laughs> But my point is, is that it's not just about the meat. It's not just about us calling Jesus our Lord and Savior. It's not just about believing that he died and he rose again and asking him into my heart yeah. and choosing him so that I can be with him in eternity when I die and go to heaven. It's not, that's the meat. And I think sometimes, church, we start subbing out 
the ingredients of our life, but still try to convince ourselves that we're living that best meatball life still. Yeah, it's good to. And so I instantly start asking myself, well then, how do I know what the right ingredients are? Okay, we got Jesus, cross, Christmas, Easter, I got it. <laughs> but what about like all of the other days of my life? Yeah. What, 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 how do I know what ingredients matter to those days? Yeah, yep. So someone like me, I'm not really someone that hates rules. No, you, you're, you're a rule follower. <laughs> I actually like rules because then I know the rules. I cross in the middle of the street. Yes, yes. I'm the crazy person in the window going, you're not allowed to jaywalk, Kyle. And he's like skipping. Jake. <laughs> but rules make me feel safe. They make me feel like I know what's going on. They also make me feel like I can kind of have a good shot at getting things right mm. because I know what's wrong. Yep. And that's a lot of times what we end up doing with this. We, yep. we try to figure out, okay, then what's the rules, God? Yeah, if, the rules? if you're looking for me, Lord, to yep. live a life of conviction, and I don't see you in that passage saying, you should be more courageous, because mm. I've done that to myself. You just need to be braver. That doesn't work. Yeah. You just need not to care what the public thinks, thinks of you. I think that's kind of where we start to lose our footing because the public is different for every single person in this room. That's right. That's right. Usually, who defines our public is where the line starts to blur and those ingredients start getting subbed in. Yep. So I say, God, what do I do? I need to brush up on the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots. <laughs> right? Yep. Yes. But then I find myself asking myself, not like, what am I supposed to do, but like, why would I even do it? Mm -hmm. if, if we're going to take all the pretense away, and not because that's what a good Christian does, that's not what an honorable believer does. Just yeah. take all of that away. and Like, why? Why would I live my life according to a standard that doesn't let me waver on my integrity and character and reflection of his glory. Yeah. Like, why would I do, like that question, is Dave. harder great than question. anything else. And I think we jump a lot of times to the what do I have to do or what don't I have, can I do? Yeah. Like, why would you even bother asking the question? And that's why for me, holiness, it can't be about what is right and wrong as far as what am I supposed to do and shouldn't I do. Those seem to be the things that we keep trying to bring clarity on as if they're going to make us pure, and it never works. Correct, correct. But holiness, if you drill down all the way to it, is about proximity. Yes. The more I allow the Spirit of God to come into my space, the more intimate I can be with him. That's right. And that's how I get to know him. Not read about him. Yes. Know him. 
And that's the gorgeousness of God, because he takes the risk to let us fall in love with him or choose not to. Yep. And then when you love someone, that's when you have a decision to make. That's right. I know what makes his heart sore. Yes. And what grieves him. I know what brings him joy. I know what puts a smile on his face. And when you know someone intimately, you also know what grieves them. And so the decision isn't, what am I going to do or not do? The decision is, is my love in a place where it's going to choose to bring him joy today? Or is my love removed from him today enough that I will bring him grief and still choose that knowing I could sear him? That's the thing that religion and church, it's dangerous to talk about this. Because it's easier to teach people how to behave. Yes. And how to align their lives and how to do it correctly and to get in line. And we can teach people how to be great church goers and lousy disciples. Yes. Because a disciple will talk, take this path. A disciple will say, God, you trust me enough to say I'm going to let you fall in love with me in yes. return. Yes. And then I trust you enough, Danielle, that you're going to know me because I'm going to reveal myself to you and I'm going to be exposed to you. And you're going to so, know what brings me joy. And you're going to know what is my delight. And you're also going to know what could hurt me. So good. And then I'm going to let you choose. And then I'm going to love you no matter what. Right. And then I'm going to know right. that you could take advantage of that love and slap a grace label on it and slap right. a mercy label on it and keep going with your life. And I'm still going to give you this chance the next day Correct. and the day after that and the day after that because I don't want a robot serving me. I want your heart. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the core, D. And church, that's, that's, what, that's, why, that's why Jesus keeps doing what he does time and time again, breaking religious uh, pretext and the, the do's and the don'ts and the always bringing it back to who the Father is, who He is, the love of God for us. And, you know, in, in this text, it's, it's we see Jesus is unmoved in His conviction, right? No matter what the crowd thinks, He wasn't moved by what the crowd thinks, whether they thought He was great or thought He was a fraud, they weren't moved, or what the religious community thought He should do or shouldn't do. He was convicted to say and do what the father said and did that was his whole focus what what does the father say what does the father do how do we know this because just a few verses before this in in john 5 19 he says assuredly verily verily the in hebrew it's the amen says amen to this what i'm going to say is god saying this is true i only do the son only does what he sees the father doing that, that, that the expression, that the outworking of the holiness of the Son of God on earth came out of a, I mean, came out of a vertical relationship with the Son and the Father in heaven. That's where this comes out of. That's why he can be unmoved. His conviction was what blesses the Father. What makes the Father's heart sore? What is the Father? Who is the Father? How can I bring this about? He's taking his cue from who the Father is. Not what he should or shouldn't do. Now, listen, those things come out of that. It's not saying we can do anything or everything. Th those things come out of 
But all of us know that we can do certain things, do the right thing from the wrong place. Christianity and church has been built time and time again out of doing the right things from the wrong place. It's why so often we get frustrated. We've served, we've given, we've worshipped, and we're still, when we're honest with ourselves, put our head on the pillow, we still feel far from God. We still feel guilty. We still feel like we're not enough. Why? Because some of the things that we're, we're doing the right thing, but it's not producing the right person. Because Jesus is saying, my conviction doesn't come from what I'm supposed to do. My conviction comes from an intimacy with the Father who I love. Now let me give you a little background to this text to actually understand it even a little bit more. The background is he's at the Feast of Tabernacles. Now the Feast of Tabernacles celebrates God with his people. God dwelling with his people. And, and uh, for seven days, the, the priests would draw water out of a well and put water on people so that they could be ceremonially clean, clean on the outside, so that they could worship God. But on the seventh day, they don't draw water. Jesus doesn't show up the first seven days, which is unusual, by the way. He shows up on the last day, comes up to the well, and says, anyone who needs water, come over here, I got you. Because the water he was talking about wasn't the water that would make him clean on the outside, it was the water that would make him clean on the inside. His conviction was, I'm going to give you the Spirit of God here. I'm going to offer you the Spirit of God because the only thing that can give you life, the only thing that can actually make you clean isn't the rules, isn't the regulations. It's not how many things you've sacrificed. It's the Spirit. The spi I am so, he was so convicted that the Spirit of God was the only thing that could bring life, that could open the door, as we sang today, to a relationship with the Father, that he stood in front of the entire crowd, was unmoved, whether they agreed or disagreed, whether they were for him or against him, because he understood the one thing that everybody needed, and the only thing that could get them there was the Spirit of the living God. That's where his conviction laid. That's why just a few ver uh, chapters before that, in John 4, verse 24, you and I were talking about this this week. The Bible says, Jesus said, God is spirit, and my worshipers must worship me in spirit and in truth. Spirit and truth. There's a tension there, isn't there, baby? There's tension. Like, we got to learn to live in that tension because too much truth and no spirit leads to legalism. And too much spirit and no truth leads to woohooism. Like, oh, I just feel like God, I just really feel God's telling me, yeah, but the Bible doesn't say, yeah, but I just feel like God's saying, yeah, but doesn't, my, my Jesus, yeah, but the Jesus of the word, come on, spirit and truth. But when we read that, it says, must worship. Sometimes it sounds like, must, you have to. It's like, that's the Jesus we have in our head. Yes. You have to worship him this way. Do you know what Jesus has been doing this entire time that he was on earth? Wooing you. Yes. He's wooing you, saying, hey, this is how we can have relationship. For God so loved you, he sent me. Why? So that I can tell you how to have a relationship. How do we have it? The only way we can have it is in spirit and in truth because that's who God is. I want to tell you about him so that you can actually be with him. Right. That's the conviction that he holds down deep inside of his life. Like when, when Dee comes to me and says, babe, look, this is how I feel loved. This is how I feel loved. And we talked a lot about the, uh, you know, uh, love languages in church and everything. And, and her love language is acts of service. And, and mine is physical touch. How many of you know, if, if I just always want to hold her hand, she may know that I love her, but she's not feeling loved by me. Yeah, right. 
Because that's not how she experiences love. Right? right? When she's telling me that, at acts of service, I don't walk away going, I can't believe it. I can't believe, now I have to pick up, and I got to take out the trash. Now I've, I, I must pick up my clothes off the bathroom floor. I, I must make the bed. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Although some, somebody better say amen here. <laughs> the truth is, I'm like, I'm glad she told me that. Because the more that I know what makes her heart sore, the closer I become with her. Now, it wasn't always like that. When we first got married, it wasn't like that because I was immature. And that's the difference between immature believers and maturing disciples. Immature believers say what I said to Danielle. Yeah, but babe, look at all the other things I'm doing for you. Are you telling me you don't feel loved after everything I'm doing for you? Because that's what I've said a thousand times. That's immaturity. Mature believer, a mature disciple says, man, I, you told me how to make you feel loved. I want to make your heart sore. I am convicted by how you feel loved, and I want to actually bring that to you. It's not a must thing. It's a love thing. And I love the fact, dude, that you kind of talked around a little bit about the, uh, the, like, the what we should and shouldn't do, right? Because we, we were talking about the Ten Commandments and how, like, in, in church, we've made it all about the Ten Commandments. And she said that, and I, and I laughed. I literally were having the conversation. I laughed. I said, we don't have a Ten Commandment problem in the church because we don't have Ten Commandments. We have the big four. We, right? We, don't steal, don't lie, right? Don't murder, don't kill somebody, and don't, 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 don't commit adultery. Right. Because really, how are we doing with keeping the Sabbath and keeping it holy? How are you doing with that? Right. How are we doing with having no other gods before God? Keeping the kingdom first above everything else, making sure that there's nothing, not our dreams, not our desires, not our relationship, nothing's more important than Him. How are we doing with not coveting someone else's stuff? Because every time I turn on Instagram, I struggle. So really, even when we start looking at the Bible for what we should or shouldn't do, we've already compromised six out of the ten. That's why we can't even trust our own selves. It's got to come from who he is. Knowing the heartbeat of the Father. That's why Jesus comes back to spirit and truth, because spirit and truth is the environment of heaven. It's who he really is. Anything outside of that, trying to do anything outside of that, just isn't holiness. Because holiness only exists in the expression of spirit and truth that is our Father. It doesn't mean that those th other things, those other choices aren't real, or may not be comfortable for us, or may not even be a little exciting. They're just not holy. They're just not holy. And if we can understand that, if we can go, look, because sometimes we're so trying to be moved by our emotion, or, does this feel comfortable for me? It did it, am, am, I, am I excited by it? Did this relieve some pressure in our family situation by doing it? And we make that decision. All those things can be true and it still not be holy. And that's the casual nature of conviction. That's what happens. The reality is, my friends, that the Spirit of God is wisdom himself. The Spirit, Sophia, wisdom. And here's what we've got to grab a hold of, or I hope that we can. Indeed, this is where you and I were talking this week. Wisdom knows how to say no and why it matters. A lot of people know how to say no. We just forget why it matters. Because conviction, religion will teach you what to say yes and no to. 
but it will leave off the why it matters. Discipleship not only knows how to say yes or no, but why it matters. Jesus tells this amazing parable in Proverbs 25 about 10 virgins who are waiting for the bridegroom to come. And he comes in the middle of the night, and five of them had brought extra oil, and the five others of them did not. In verse 9, the Bible says, the five who don't turn to the five who do and say, give us some of your oil. And they say, no. Now, doesn't that seem kind of counter to the generosity that Jesus has taught? Like if someone doesn't have something, you should give them something. Like, read it through the eyes of all of that. Well, this seems kind of stingy. But not when you read it through why Jesus is teaching that. Because there would have been an effect of that. It would have been a loss of intimacy with the one they were trying to be connected to. Because they said no because they wanted to stay connected to the groom. And a yes would have disconnected them from the groom. They could have said, hey, we're all part of the same party. We're all in the same room. I mean, how many times have we said things like this? But, you know, I mean, uh, they're, 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 I grew up with them. They're my family. I mean, but I love him. I love her. I love them. My friends, don't give away things that will rob your intimacy. Don't give away things. Be so convicted that intimacy with God matters, that we are unwilling to give away the things that would hinder intimacy. That's just good advice all the way around with everything. Don't give away things that would hinder it. Don't, don't, don't give away your phone number to some people. Don't give away that text message. Don't give away that piece of your heart. Don't give away things that are going to rob intimacy. Because that's actually what's going on. He was so convicted. Jesus is saying, be so convicted that intimacy matters. That you can say no because you understand the reason why. Not just to do it, but why it matters. The issue is, at least the way that I see it in life, is that natural humanity is not designed to live in conviction, but under the law of persuasion. Let me say that again. That natural humanity that we're all living in it's not designed to live under conviction. We're designed to live under persuasion. How do I know? Eve was persuaded by the enemy to eat the, to eat the fruit. Adam was persuaded by Eve. Therefore, all of human nature that came from Adam and Eve lives more connected to the law of persuasion than we do the law of conviction. Even in church... Even in church, we are sitting here trying to be persuaded. Persuade me to worship. Why should I lift up my hands? Well, because the Bible says, yeah, but why? Persuade me to give. Why is it really important to give? Tell me why and who's going to be affected by my giving before I give. We're working with persuasion. Persuade me. Why is it important for me to, to join forged or, or, or shoulder to shoulder? Persuade me. Well, because the Bible says, iron sharpens iron to become a disciple, to follow him. But persuade me. This law of persuasion is so dangerous. If you were at Connect for very long, you know that the church that we came out of right now, we used to be that church. We, we created so much environment to try to help you, that persuasion moment, become easier for you. We poured everything into it. And at the end of the day, 
When you weren't convicted, you were only persuaded. If someone can persuade you to do something, they can persuade you not to do something. That's why Paul says in Galatians 3.1, to this church that he helped plant, who has bewitched you? Who persuaded you differently than I persuaded you? My friends, this is why, look, I, I will never be persuaded to believe Jesus did not rise from the dead. I don't care who says it. I will never be persuaded that he didn't die for my sin. I will never be persuaded to believe that he is not coming back to take his children home. I will not be persuaded from those things because that comes from a conviction of who he is, a conviction of spirit and truth that actually come together and testify together. Not only does the word say it, but the spirit of God says it. Yes, he died for me. Yes, he loves me. Yes, he rose again. Yes, he's coming back. Yes, yes, yes. The spirit and the word say yes. Man, you may be able to convince me that new math is better than old math. I don't understand it, but maybe it is. You may be able to convince me that Pluto shouldn't become a planet anymore. I don't understand that either. You may even be able to convince me that Geno's is better than Pat's, although that may be heresy. But none of those things come from spirit and truth. So that's why those things don't matter with what we're talking about, about conviction. There's a difference between opinion and conviction. It's dangerous, my friends. It's dangerous when we try to take our cues from majority shifts around us. That's the power of social media. We're either bo boosted D, by the majority that we see that's supporting us, or we're worried that they're not supporting us. I've been reading a book, and you know I've been reading lots of books. Uh, I, I was reading a book by Jim Elliott, who was a missionary who was killed taking the, the gospel to the Horani uh, uh, people in Ecuador. They were a warrior tribe that had never, ever heard the gospel. They, they didn't really have any relationships with outside people. And so many people told him, this is suicide mission. This is stupid. They tried to t talk him out of it. Don't go. Uh, he, he was very talented. They told him that his skills would be used so many other places. He could help so many other people. But he was deeply convicted by the love of God. He was deeply convicted that God so loved the Horani people that he sent Jesus to die for them even though they didn't know him. He was convicted to do that. And you may say, well, it didn't work out for him. He got killed. But he wasn't talking about Jim bringing him. It wasn't about Jim being present. It was about Jesus being preached. He wasn't convicted that he was going to live a long life. He was convicted that they needed to know Jesus. That's a life that could write this quote. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Only someone convicted by the love of God could write, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Kind of sounds like Paul, doesn't it? Romans 8. I am convinced. I am absolutely convicted that nothing in all the world, neither height nor depth nor principality nor power, nor things present nor things to come, not anything visible or invisible can ever separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Love. I know his love. I know what makes him feel loved. I know what being loved feels like. And that way I can make decisions out of a place of love rather than making decisions in, in a way to try to gain someone's love. 
I, am, I can stay where I am because I don't have to make different decisions to feel loved because I'm already loved by the love of the Father that nothing can separate me from. I love that word convinced in the Greek. It means to, to put your trust in in such a way that you rely your life upon it. And that's what Paul was doing. Paul was saying no matter what, no matter what comes, I know who my Father is. And I know I'm loved. And because I'm loved, I want to love him back. I want to cause his heart to soar. I'm convicted to not only be a recipient of that love, but to be a conduit back of that love to him. See, my friends, just kind of as we wrap this up, I really want to encourage you because this kind of conviction will bring courage in the midst of the crowds and kings you will face. This kind, of, this kind of conviction. We've been talking about the reality that we're living in labor pains. That life isn't going to get better. It may get somewhat better, but in the big picture of things, Jesus is coming back, which means we're living in labor pains. And a casual connection to conviction is going to position us to fall. But conviction that comes from at this level, at this depth, that is actually based on the, the heartbeat of the king, that's based off of who he is and what makes his heart sore, will cause us to stand no matter who comes and what comes. Conviction gives us courage to take our stands against the crowds and against the king. Paul wrote those words when he was facing death by the Emperor Nero. He said, it doesn't matter what Nero does. I won't change my stance. I'm going to love him even if he kills me because that will make my father's heart happy. Those three young boys in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood up to the most powerful king the world's ever known at that point in time and said, I don't care what you say. You can't manipulate me. You can't intimidate me. You can't cause me to give away on my conviction. My God can rescue me, and even if he doesn't, that's all right with me because I know he could. I refuse to back down. I stand in the conviction of my God. My friends, all of us in this room have crowds. Some will agree with you, some won't. Some will try to persuade you differently. Some will have no idea. And all of us have made ourselves kings in other people. People who intimidate us. People who manipulate us people who try to force us into doing what we know would make the Father's heart sad. It will never be belief that will give you courage. It will be conviction that will cause you to stand. I am persuaded, convicted to believe that I am loved by my Father. And I am going to be convicted to find out what makes his heart sore and love him back, no matter the crowd and no matter the king. No matter the crowd, no matter the king. No matter the crowd, no matter the king. That, my friends, 
is a life worth living. And that, my friends, at the end of the day, may not always put a smile on your face, but it will always put a smile on his. Love the Lord your God with everything you've got. And from that place, stand in the conviction of our King. Um, do you mind if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pray for everybody? No, I'd love and that. And then um, if you will take a moment to pray for anyone who has yet to receive the Lord as well. Just I'm yeah. going to pray for everyone in this room. Yep. And then you can pray. But <sighs> Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We trust you. We trust you to show us the heart of our Father. Mm. God, I trust you right now that you know how to go into each heart in this room and show them the difference between relief that comes from compromise and the peace that comes with yes. conviction. Yes, Lord. I pray that you start to show people examples of that that they've been experiencing, that they would have understanding finally and language for what they have been feeling inside of them but maybe not able to articulate. I pray that there is something happening in the spirit that can't happen in the natural. Yes, God, I know that you've given us a word today, but you have given them yourself. Yes. So, Lord, I pray that you would begin to help them reflect on some of the things that have been f making them feel undone. And I pray that, God, that you would go into those spaces and you would reveal yourself. And I pray, Lord, that, that this house would be made up yes. of people who are moving to close the gap in their proximity to you. I pray, Father, that that is the house that you use to bring your name yes, Jesus. to so many who haven't heard it yet. Not a house that does church well, not a mm. house that has famous people in it, but God, a house mm. that is committed to helping people mm. close the gap between you and them yes. a little more each week. God, as we lay ourselves barren before you and bare before you right now, and we might make ourselves wide open to you, yes. but at the same time, I know, Father, that you are digging roots deep. There is a depth that's happening. Yes. And God, I pray that there will be arms that stretch out wider so that you can deepen their them being compelled to can be convict, convict, being convicted by your Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus. You know, my friends, the truth is that the Spirit of God has been wooing you before you even knew his name. Before you ever heard the name of Jesus for the first time, the Spirit of God has been wooing you towards a, an encounter with the love of God. And maybe today is the day that that encounter struck home. Maybe today is the day that you can say, 
Man, today I, I want to move kind of just from knowing about God to knowing Him. From just trying to live a, a, a better life to living a life with God. Not living a life to try to get God to do something. The Bible is so clear. The Word is so clear. That if I just call out with my mouth and I ask Him to be Lord of my life. If I believe in my heart that what He did on the cross was enough. That he rose from the dead to seal the deal. That if I can just do that today, if I can just ask him to be Lord and Savior of my life, that today the gap between God and I will be closed. I'll be embraced by that love Paul talked about. I will gain the thing that I could never lose, which is a relationship with the God of heaven. So often we spend so much time and energy in our life trying to be better trying to be good enough, an impossible task, when it will never be about our goodness. It will only ever be about His. So we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to invite you to do something that God has been inviting you to do since when you were in your mama's womb, to know Him, to open up your heart to Him, to say yes to the love that He has for you, that comes through Jesus Christ. It's not about really committing to church. It's about being convicted by the love of God. That he is for you and not against you. So today, if you want to close that gap between yourself and God, whether for the first time or you know you've been away from him for a while and it's time to come home, we're all going to pray, but can you pray this with me from the bottom of your heart? Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to close the gap by asking you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. All that I am and all that I have, I freely give to you. I'm asking you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sin, to cleanse me of everything I've done wrong, to fill me with and make me your child. From this day forward. And forevermore. I choose. To live. In a conviction. To bring you joy. To make you feel loved. And to let your glory shine. In Jesus name. Amen. And amen. And amen. And amen. Church can you give people a hand. Who made that decision Lord God. Thank you so much Jesus. For who you are. What a great God we serve. And if, if that is one of the first times that you have prayed that prayer, you want to understand it with a little bit more understanding, uh, we have a book that we would love to send your way. And Pastor Rick, can you wave to everybody? So that's Pastor Rick. And we have two books over there, one for adults and one for tweens and teenagers. And it just explains in very understandable approachable language what you just did and then how to grow into that yes. making that trek from believer to disciple amen or yeah yeah <laughs> guys we're gonna we're gonna worship one last time before we go just kind of can i invite you to let it be a response today you may have walked in with a casual relationship 
to conviction like probably most of us have. But today there may have been something that the Spirit began to tug on your heart for. That's the Spirit of God wooing you to His side. And in just a moment, one of the best ways to seal that inside of us is just to worship God through it. To say, thank you. Thank you for sending your spirit to tug on my heart today. Today I give you my life. Today I'm, I'm, I'm all in. Sometimes, even for some of us who have been Christians for a long time, there are days I need to say, say, God, I just, want to remind, I, I just want to remind you, and I know I don't need to remind you, but I'm reminding myself by reminding you that I'm all in. It's all in because my, my body, I don't want to always be, anybody, I don't always want to be all in. Yes. And worship helps. Worship changes things. Because worship changes an exterior environment that actually releases something in my interior heart. That's how worship works. So we're going to worship in just a moment. But after worship, I want to encourage you to take one last step of worship. Which is as on your way out, if you would worship with the gift of giving. You saw on the screens that we really want to make a difference in people's lives. This Christmas toy store, toy, toy store, not tree store, toy store. Your giving makes a difference. You can give with the envelopes that are there on the seats around you. You can get put into those beautiful gold kiosks on the way out. You can give on your phone or on your computers or on your iPads or however else you do it. But can I encourage you, giving is part of worship. It's not just an act of obedience, although it is. It's an act of worship. So would you just stand with me really quickly? I'm going to pray over the offering, then we're going to worship. Father, as we give today, we give because you first gave. We love because you first loved. We praise you because you first spoke to us. You closed the gap. You changed us from the inside out. And so, Daddy, today... We are convicted to love you and to love others through that love. Bless the gift today. Bless the giver. Bless those who will receive from that gift. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. You are the great King of kings and Lord of lords, and we love you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Let's just take a moment before we go and worship. Let's sing to him today, King of glory. We're going to repeat that and ask him to come into this place with us.
Daddy, that is our prayer. May the King of glory fill every inch, every molecule, every atom of our life. This week, show us more and more of who you are. Take the blinders off our eyes and the pride out of our heart that we may know you and the fullness thereof, that we may know what your heart, what makes your heart soar and step into it with all of our heart. Let your kingdom come, my Father. Let your will be done in our lives, in this church, in our nation, in our world as it is in heaven. And we give you the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Love on your families. God bless you. I'll see you next week. Hallelujah.